been it's been a while. I mean, I'm, I remember you. So you, have you switched now to being like a BBC sort of cameraman or something? No, it's a, so I had been working with the BBC quite BBC for quite a while actually. So when I did the gig with them at that particular point, um, so I had started working with them because I did like a internship in 2013 with um, Radio One and One Extra. And then that evolved into like an apprenticeship that was like full time for like a year, various different levels in the BBC where I worked with BBC comedy, um, helping them with the, the um, BBC New Comedy Awards. I was helping kind of like recruit people from quote unquote fame background as well to get more into like the, the, the comedy, uh, comedy awards, and that was for like 2014. And then after that, I started working with. Uh, one extra radio one as like a video person so yeah that was during the time when I was doing like video stuff so I've been doing stuff with them on and off for like uh, eight years eight seven years now that's like that. yeah that's yeah that's that's interesting it's so what's um uh, were you involved with, with uh, Ju- what's it called, Innuendo Binga? <laughs> no, I, I, I saw a, quite a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think I filmed a couple of episodes of that as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot messier than it is when you see see on video. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think I did one or two episodes, and yeah, man, it's it's, it's it was a crazy. Crazy, crazy. I don't know if they do it so much now, um, especially with this whole COVID 19. I don't know if they want to kind of be promoting no. <laughs> on each other. Um, but yeah, it <laughs> was an interesting little uh, get up. Yeah. Ah, so do you, I mean, it would be interesting if people tried that now, doing in you in the bingo, they do it in the TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, from their own home, so trying to social distance. Um, however, I think, yeah, so much things are just gonna have to re kind of like adapt to this current kind of like uh cultural situation we're in right now. So, even if they do come back and like people start working in the same place again, I don't know if we'll ever get in the window bingo again because it's it just doesn't look good like spitting on each other and or, like, yeah. like a big wick and spread the virus. I thought it was nasty then, but. Yeah. Yeah. It things are hype. I agree. It's gonna hyper extinctualize things because you know, I've I've I'm a bit wary. I've been wary about shaking people's hands because there's nothing I hate more. My hands are normally clean, but quite often, right, a lot of the time, quite a few times, maybe I'm a maybe I irritate a few people here and there, but I don't give a shit. But sometimes when I shake, quite a few times when I shake someone's hand. They have a dirty hand. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. But when, that's what I don't like. I got, and the thing is, when I'm running my comedy show, sometimes at the end, I try and sh- like I'll shake hands with people. But then I'll shake hands with someone who's a dirty fucker, and then my hands dirty. Then I take the blame. Then I sort of try not to shake the hand, and then they think, oh, you're being rude or something. But this person, you don't know. What, yeah. No, no. Now we look at common courtesy of just like ignoring people. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, Yeah. Basically, yeah. and even before the kind of like lockdown happened, people were trying to find different 
ways to greet each other. So I saw a couple of people doing um, able elbows. I saw a couple of people doing the Wakanda sign as well. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it was all time to find different ways to adapt to this whole situation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, no, like with with your nights, how how did that? What 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 do you think the future is with that? Because like, when was the last time you, you held one of the nights? Was it? So I was in France before I came back here. Yeah. I came back here because of the virus, oh, I see. and because I can't afford to pay rent over there without any income from anything. <laughs> oh, you moved to France. I was doing the Gaudier course. Oh yes, of course, yeah, yeah. And I was with him for a few months, and then yeah, it just happened all of a sudden. And I was just thinking, I, I won't be able to afford the rent. I'm not getting any money in, so I have to move back in with the parents, really. Oh, damn, damn, damn. No, no, the same here. I'm like living with my mom and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, 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 it's been a hard couple of days. Is it a full income from the actual, from the night as well? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not a lot, but it's it's something, and it's just, yeah. And it's strange that all of us, like people from the early twenties to thirties, like a lot of us are now not with our parents, but now we have to go back in, and it's a bit. Like we've got our own sort of views and things we want to do things ourselves, but our parents are like, no, this is my house. You do this and that, and it's, yeah. I mean, how long is it going to go before we drive each other mad? That's the thing. Would hopefully come out the other side of this uh, surviving. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it does feel like you're kind of regressing back to teenage, because it's like you've got a curfew, time, you this and that. As a, a pretty cool kind of like adult. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think also at the same time, I it, it's been one of my most pervasive times at the same time like I've kind of like gotten so many projects that have been put on the back burner I actually started getting finished um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like me I'm kind of like writer and director um, so I've, I've had so many kind of like uh, I've, I've got like a pilot that I finished writing and I'm about to finish another feature film and I'm starting another one it's just like because there's nothing else to do I don't want to go mad so I'm just like Mm, let me be like that meme that was going around on the internet saying that Shakespeare wrote King Lear. Let me see if I can get my King Lear out of this whole situation. So yeah, yeah it's been a it's been a it's been a crazy kind of like. Yeah. It's funny that you said that. Uh, it's so you've gone quite a bit of a journey in a way. So like, are you more interested in being a director in sketches and sort of being a comedy actor like? Is that your sort of thing rather than being a comedian itself? Yes, yeah, yeah, no. Um, so, like, so the way I'm kind of thinking in terms of my comedy uh, career, um, so I know this guy isn't liked and I don't agree with any of the madness he but Woody Allen, is <laughs> like, in terms of where he started with, like, stand-up and then eventually went into films, that is a similar career path except for all the other kind of, like, extracurricular stuff he did uh, but the actual career path is the one that I'm interested in where it's just like yeah starts off kind of like stand up because I've loved stand up anyway I've grown up with it and watching so many kind of like different stand ups uh, um, 
United Apollo, uh, Def Jam, the usual kind of stuff you see on TV. I've been, like, during my early 20s, uh, I started getting into more of the live stuff. So I started doing stand-up myself at the age of, like, 21. I started that uh, the Comedy Virgins, because Comedy Virgins is literally just 20 minutes down the road for me. Well. Huh. So that was, like, the easy, more accessible kind of, like, comedy night. I went there. Did a couple of five minutes there as well. And yes, so just kind of like been doing it on and off for a good seven years now. I'm 28. So yeah, developing it with various different kind of like uh, successes, but it hasn't been really a thing where I'm saying like, ooh, I'm going 100% trying to do uh, stand up. It's more of a thing where I can kind of like develop kind of like writing as well and also performing as well and also meeting comedians like. As well, and other different kind of comedians. So, like, when I get to a point where I can start producing my own content, I've got a big connection with the kind of like comedy scene and also understand how comedians kind of like function, you know what I mean? Because I've like done it a bit myself as well, so I can understand the plight and the kind of like thought process and whatnot. But I'm not necessarily trying to say I'm trying to become like an Eddie Murphy in terms of the stand up thing. I am like, yeah, the end kind of like. Uh, the kind of thing I want to do in the end is writing and directing comedy, essentially. So even if it's a thing where, like, if you had a script, for example, I'd be able to kind of like produce that. You know, what I mean, that was like what I'm trying to get to do to the end process. Of, yeah. Hmm. Was well, an interesting thing now because there hasn't been many. In, the last sort of sitcom that I remember liking is In Between Us yeah. and Outnumbered. Uh, and I feel, I feel now with a lot of sitcoms that do they really give them a chance to shine? I mean, Miss Brown's Boys is, is complete drizzle. I don't like that at all. I've never got into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's so funny because I did a course at the National Film and Television School, uh, which was writing and producing comedy. And um, on the first day we did the course, they went around the class and asked everybody, what is your favorite uh, sitcom at the moment? And it, it was a huge kind of like diverse uh, palette taste of everyone. So some people like Atlanta and that kind of stuff. And then it went all the way to like people who liked Mrs. Brown Boys. So it's one of those things. I feel that like Mrs. Brown Boys is something where like if you're comedian, you're not really feeling it. But I feel for like a normal everyday person who just watches TV kind of casually, like my mom, for example, she likes that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Which is a bit more war than, you know what I mean? Not really doing anything. So it's got its audience, you know what I mean? Evidently, because it's the most viewed thing on TV. So I respect it in that aspect, you know what I mean? It might not be my own particular taste, but I definitely respect how it's connected. But in terms of like, sitcoms right now I, I i i agree with you like i don't really feel they give people a chances on the mainstream channels but i feel on like if you really want to go out and look for stuff like i feel what they do right now is like oh we've got bbc3 we've got it online nobody's watching that so we can put on something a bit more better. yes yeah uh, i feel they do a lot more of that where they put something on there and see how does it do and you've got something like that really connects. You've got so many other shows in there that they put on there once even and then it disappears and nobody knew about it. You know what I mean? So mm, yeah, it's interesting because I see a lot of lot of 
short sketches are like, oh, what do you do if your Tinder date refuses you? Like, there's not, there's, there's not enough sort of substance, I feel, to it. I want to see, like, like, in Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or Sopranos, they do these long sketch TV series, sitcoms, where they have diverse characters. There's so much to them. And yeah. it's very entertaining, like, seeing what happens between them. And, like, the, the sketches now... They're just like regular people and they're just doing the same thing all the time. There's no McDonald's, Burger King, they're unique. I want to see more sort of sitcoms with a bit of, you know, McDonald's chips isn't good without ketchup. I want to see some sitcoms with ketchup. Uh, see, I understand see, I I where you're coming from. And especially when I was doing that course at the National Film and Television School, we'd have producers come in and they're talking about what the kind of like situation in comedy is right now and how people are a bit scared. Essentially, I think it's just fearfulness. It's it's, like, yeah, it's like they don't want to do something different. And I feel with comedy, when it comes to comedy, when somebody doesn't like a drama, people don't really, there's not much of an emotional reaction. Like, oh, I just didn't really like that. That's not for me. But when someone doesn't like a comedy, they'll never let you forget that they don't like the comedy. They will go, oh. <laughs> That's true. Especially when you look on Twitter and, and, and online or in the forum, they will, they will kind of talk about that comedy as if it's like, we filmed them kind of like torturing their family members or something like that. They will have like visceral hate for that comedy. So I think that's what people are fearful about because when a comedy works, it really works. But a lot of times, there's a lot of more times when it doesn't work and then people are very vicious about it, especially critics as well. So I think, yeah, that's what I think is people just want to be safe, especially the the big kind of like channels, the ITV, the BBC, and stuff like that. They want to be safe. You've got other people coming out, like um, I sh- I'm sure there's. I see a lot of online people with like doing something different. Like I remember Turtle Comedy. I don't know if you know those guys. I've heard of them. Yes, I've heard of them. I think. Yeah, it's interesting in a way just to see where things are going to go. Because I remember. Um, do you know Brendan Schultz? Brendan Schultz. He's a big, he's a big uh, American comic, and all the big American agencies refused him. So he set up his own YouTube channel, well, and he just did a lot of content on there. And now he's got a million subscribers, and like he's selling out in arenas across the globe. And he's, yeah, he's he's doing very well for himself. Yeah, I think I think, I think that's the way forward. Yeah, yeah. Like I was even talking about this with my brother the other day. Uh, when I was work, when I was working at kind of like BBC comedy as well, it was still doing the old way, where it's basically like, okay, we're gonna wait to Edinburgh, go down to Edinburgh, see who is kind of like getting nominated for best newcomer, who are the new kind of comedians who's getting all the reviews. We're gonna go like that, but I feel that there's like a new way for people to get into the mainstream, where it is through like those YouTube channels, those kind of like. Insta video, those kind of like Twitter videos, where they see that that person's already got an audience. He hasn't paid twenty thousand pounds to be like a show in Edinburgh and all that kind of stuff. He decided to kind of like. Yeah, I really admire um, Mo Gilligan. Oh, same here, same. Here. He's actually the first ever person to pay me for stand-up and something. Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, stand-up night of his. Uh, 
more more comedian, more the comedian at the at uh, up the creek in like 2015, and um, I did all right, <laughs> uh, to say the least. I think I did an offensive joke, but maybe lose the audience near the end. But um, yeah, I did all right, and then he gave me like 50 quid afterwards. But it's like, oh yeah, damn, this is something you can actually get get paid for. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about his all his success because it hasn't gone through the traditional way. You know what I mean? He did mm. way, got his audience, and he did it in fifteen with twenty thousand pound worth of debt. Essentially. Yeah. Well, it's funny though because when someone goes to to mock the week, rather the Apollo now, it's not really that big a deal because a lot of people now watching streaming services, they're away from that and they can choose what they watch. So and so many people have been on those programs that the value in getting to that level has sort of diminished. Even though it's a great achievement, but it doesn't necessarily mean they made it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, that was a big, big thing. And I, and I still think there is some kind of prestige for that. But yeah, I agree with you. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think maybe the new way now is like, oh, if you've got like a Netflix special, or even if you've got a special, maybe, maybe that might be a new thing that kind of like changes you. But I, I also, this whole kind of like uh, quarantine thing is kind of like ironic as well because I'm seeing a lot of like live comedy comedians who kind of look down on the kind of like internet video comedians now having to go into that kind of arena for a second and stuff like that. I'm seeing, I'm seeing how people, some people are not able to adapt to that thing because it's a particular skill as well. You need to understand like, that that's the same way that some Insta comedians and YouTubers who try to do stand-up, like on the live circuit, they completely flop. They didn't expect that that was a particular skill in itself. And it's the same vice versa. Like people have to understand, like, what this is still, and I have to kind of like develop that core of being an internet person. As well. mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I hear that. Well, I'm going to say it in a podcast anyway, and I don't want to. Yeah. It's going to be said anyway. But I heard someone from the Inbetweeners went and did a bit of stand up, one of the big clubs in England, and he um, he bombed. Not 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 the one with the glasses. One of the other ones. I won't say who. But one of the other ones who has who hadn't really done stand up and he bombed. I like saw Simon Bird, so it can't be him. Yeah, it's not him, it's someone else. One of the other ones. I'm not gonna say who, but it's can you, can you give me a clue or <laughs> Wait, so there's only four of them, so you can guess. <laughs> one of three, yeah, 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 yeah. Damn, that that's and you actually saw it like yourself. You saw them both. I didn't I someone told me. And this is hearsay, but I don't know. It seems believable because you you know that Charlotte Hinchcliffe has given stand up a go. Oh, okay. You know that one from the in between us that went on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. No, I'm not sure. One of the blonde women that was on that program is now doing a stand up tour, despite not having much experience within it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those ones where 
I, I do feel for those kind of people sometimes if you're like a famous person already you do stand up where you can do it in front of your own audience and your audience is just happy to see you so you get like a false illusion that you're yeah. okay. if you do it to an audience that have no, don't know anything about you and then you bomb then it's winning it. yeah you can't really skip the kind of I think you do have to go through those kind of like earlier stages of the open mic and maybe the smaller club doing this and that and then doing the 10 minutes that is solid and then going into a strong 20 and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think trying to skip those things. But, you know, that's a good, that's a quick way to make money though, isn't it? So I'm thinking like, if, if you have an opportunity to do that, I won't, I don't blame them for trying to do it. If they no. Make money. Uh, like that. <laughs> Are you trying to get affected by doing it, or are you trying to make some quick money where you can say, Oh, I'm doing it cool? And then kind of like sometimes maybe trying to change it up and say, No, it's not a comedy show, it's a book show. It's a bit funny though, because I also hear that some of the made in Chelsea people are trying to do comedy. Yeah, and in some ways, because they're famous, they can get someone to write their jokes for them as well, couldn't they? So it's a bit. I've met I've met some people who were writing jokes for one of those reality TV shows. I don't want to kind of give them away, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's easier that way. Yeah, just get popular, like yeah, stand up who don't have an audience and just write some jokes, and that's a quick way to make money as well. So yeah, 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 that's quite interesting. Yeah, it's it's also interesting because I hear um what else happened. Yeah. yeah, that com- that comedian who 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 did terribly at one of the big clubs in in the UK, in between us, he was actually getting a big cheer when he came on, and he was a, he was like doing it. He was he was wrapping up the applause apparently, and the thing is, right, he didn't do any proper jokes. He went, well, I didn't see it. I can't say. Effectively. Yeah, he, he got given 10 minutes at one of the big clubs in England. And the thing is, I mean, for a lot of people that are going up, they'll take them years to get to that bit. No, no, that's, 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 but do you, you know which one of the big clubs was it? Was it, was it a comedy store? Or? It wasn't a comedy store, but it was a club at that sort of level. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's understandable because like, sometimes people need to understand it as well. Some of those clubs, you're getting a particular type of audience as well. You know what I mean? So I feel that if you wanted to do comedy, it might have made sense if you went to like a random open mic as well. But at least you're probably getting someone who isn't necessarily a comedy kind of like connoisseur who yeah. is at a certain level. Um, but I was going to advise, he came up to me and advised me, oh, I want to Try to do those open mics, you know. I mean, at least you are going to get a bit more. I don't think it's going to be democratic because, of course, you're still going to have a a bit of kind of um, uh, cachet because you're like you've been on the TV and stuff like that. But at least with the comedy clubs, you are going to get the people who will kind of be more vicious and need a bit more kind of like cachet. Yeah, I mean, so 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 weird, yeah. yeah. I wish that on my worst enemy getting big applause. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I, 
have you been keeping trying to keep the rating? So I've been I've recorded about so this is probably my my tenth podcast. So what I've what I've done is I've got um, one of those um, like fiver or fives quid, and I'm gonna get them to do the artwork for the podcast. And once that's finished, I'm gonna start uploading content to it. Yeah, I've got I've got a few other that I'm planning next week. I'm gonna. I don't want to say too much too soon. Actually, no, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm gonna um I'm gonna do a Facebook Live one. Oh, okay, okay. Because have you seen Richard Herring? Yeah. He's he's done this bit where he um. Whenever you see his podcast, he interviews someone and someone starts throwing comments at it and then, or they give him a suggestion and then he reads it out and he asks that person. And I thought if I do a live one on Facebook, especially with a lot of people I know, it could be quite fun. What do you feel about like, the, the future for live comedy? Um... Well, it's actually been quite good for me in a way because I've I've had a few ideas that I want to push forward um, for shows and all that, and I didn't really manage my time well enough when I was before the crisis. So it's given me more time to think of things. So a lot of things that I wanted to do that I didn't have time to do now I can do. What do you, What do you think of like hologram comedy? I hear somebody's going to be saying that. <laughs> I'd say let's do it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's like it definitely you have to find all different innovative ways in terms of trying to to adapt to this whole new situation. Like me working in a film world, you know, it, 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 it has been, been hard, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm thinking of different ways how to kind of like continue making sure that we like, make sure the film world is going to keep on surviving in this whole situation. You, you've, so, can I ask? So, what's what's what are you? So, you want to be what you could? Did you have a word with some of the BBC yeah, comedy awards competition? Say, listen, stop putting the same people through. Let's add a bit of difference. Get this bloke in. Well, 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 I, I worked on only one year of the uh, the comedy awards. I think it was two thousand fourteen, and. Um, yeah, and obviously, it was, uh, I was just helping them in terms of the submission. I wasn't really uh, in charge of who got chosen to go through to the other 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 side. But um, yeah, no, it was interesting time. I can't I can't really speak about how they, they do the selection process now because of yeah. the connections on it. But um, yeah, it's it, it's and even with like stand up comedy awards like i've done a couple of them as well so i've like done the amused moves uh I got, bit, I got quite far in that one as well and then i even got to do the tryouts for the uh pleasant the pleasant uh, uh edinburgh thing um yeah so all different kind of awards work differently and how they choose like, different types of comedians i think amused moves more, more kind of like Harding kind of comedians who are going to be diggers, who are going to be doing the club kind of like life, while the BBC New Comedy Awards are looking more for the kind of com- comedians that they can mould into like a quote-unquote BBC comedian that can do all their 
eventually do like TV and all that kind of like different things as well. So uh, I think as a comedian, you have to choose what kind of comedian do I want to be. Do I want to be that one? Yeah. Doing the kind of like I'm doing five gigs a day, five gigs a night. You know, going to different clubs, going to different the comedy stores. Or am I trying to be someone who will eventually be a TV guy? You know what I mean? So I think BBC Comedy Awards, that's good for those people who want to try. eventually be a Yeah. Or doing kind of like hosting. And then news, news are good for those kind of like hard and kind of like people. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like different campaigns. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. But uh, or do you stay clean with them all? Uh, to be honest, well, I, I, yeah, I stay clear of them now because I think I've been going too long to do them, and there's no point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it does get to a point where it starts your entry every time, and they're like, "Nah, give up." <laughs> well, no, also, yeah. There's, it's just, yeah. I think it's, I think competitions are suited for a certain type of comic rather than anything else. And um, though, I mean, some of the ones that I've seen have been, have been absolutely amazing. I mean, they deserve everything they got, and they've worked very hard for it, and absolutely terrific. Yeah. It's, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, I would like to see more people that are a bit older at the sort of high level, because when you look at comedians that have been going for twenty, thirty years, they're they're gonna if they're good and they're doing the top clubs. They're going to be better than people like you and me. They've been going a lot. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I did notice that with the other new comedy working. And but they did have a stipulation where it's saying you've got to be going a uh, maximum five years. Um, so that's where that's why you never really get that. You did get older people who decided later in life, or some people who did like they did open mics for like two, three years, but never really did anything, and then come back 10 years later to do the comedy awards and that's how they kind of got through the loophole of the five-year kind of like maximum thing um but yeah i agree with you like the way i feel with comedy that's why i feel that i've taken my time with this in terms of developing as a stand-up comic is that it's an old person comedian you know what i mean i think the older you are the more life experience you have the more stories you have uh, different situations you've been, different viewpoints, experiences that the better you are. Well, it's, it's it's a funny thing because I saw um, what was it? Yeah, Ricky Gervais. He he wanted to be an actor when he first started doing things. He didn't really make it as an actor, but he did comedy when he was quite late in his thirties or something. Yeah, yeah, thirty. But didn't his wife said something to him? Like he said, "Why well, couldn't I have done this when I was younger?" And she said, "Because you were shit." <laughs> no, no, that's true. That's true. That's true. I think. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, especially that's actually a good point as well. And I think Stuart Lee made a similar point as well. It's just like sometimes uh, some meanings make more sense as an older person. You know what I mean? Like if you're like an angry kind of complaining comedian, it's more funnier as an older person, if that makes sense, rather than a younger person. Just look whiny. 
as a younger person if you're doing like oh i'm angry at the world kind of thing it just looks very kind of like a moody teenager kind of vibe <laughs> when you have it but when you're like an older person people kind of like yeah okay this person looks like he's been through a lot so it actually makes sense that he's kind of angry and yeah the ricky gervais and the secret league kind of comedy uh, even though secret league was quite younger but he even said when he trying to do the same comedy kind of comedy he does now younger people didn't take him seriously as a younger person but now as an older person he looks like someone yeah I, I, one thing i found funny with the throughout the interview so far is the audio has been going on and off oh, has it oh they haven't heard anything yeah, some points, like most, I've heard most of it, but some moments it's gone. Oh, no, no, no. Is it, is it, is it gonna, do you think it's going to record everything or? Well, I'm recording on Zoom, so I'll get all of it and I'll, I'll edit the bits out that don't work, so it'll be fine. But it's, it's yeah. Sorry about that. I should have maybe recorded it on my side as well. So you can Ah, it's fun. I've had a lot of funny things happen already in the podcast. A lot of some of some of the things that haven't gone right, I'm going to include anyway because it makes it funny. No, no, definitely, 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 definitely. But it's yeah, I like who's who are your sort of heroes as a whole? Because you, um, so that's a good question. Like, yeah, but so I love. I like kind of comedy comedians who are kind of like fearless who are even if this they make they make kind of like this that might not work um nobody might not find funny but they at least I respect the the attempt to try to be fearless you know what I mean and also uh, for for the sake of being full transparency, uh, Louis C.K. was one of my big heroes. As well. Yeah, obviously, um, before all the madness happened with him, but I, I still think he's a really, really great comedian, you know what I mean? And especially in terms of, like, he was a similar kind of person as well. He was a comedian, but was also a really great filmmaker as well. Um, so I really respect Kind of those aspects as well, the same thing as well, who are like really good comedians, but their filmmaking is on a similar level as the filmmaking. Well, Donald Glover is a big, big kind of like hero of mine as well. Um, yeah, big we'll just do kind of multi faceted kind of things. I mean, you can focus on things really good to high, high, high level. Um, One one situation that I'd love to see right now, and I'd love it if maybe you made a movie on it as well, that would be quite funny, is if you... So, have you seen Suits? Suits? Yeah, the TV series. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it, but I haven't really watched that one. Okay, well, one thing that I would find quite funny is if... If you did an interview with a lot of comedians right now, and you told them, right... If you listen here, Sonny Jim, comedian, if you had a choice between being really successful 
and getting that success quickly by being a follower or would you rather be an individual and it take maybe 20 years but get bigger success then one thing that I find quite interesting is how many people would choose option A yeah, quick success hmm that's, that's that's a really really good point that's a really good point like even me as well I, I'm I'm not even gonna lie I'm not gonna try to pretend to be someone who's a bit <laughs> uh thing because especially right now if, I think it depends of like I don't come from like a rich family you know what I mean so some kind of like comedians can afford to maybe keep on working for 10 or 10 years but if there's like a option to try to go somewhere a bit quicker you know, I might be a bit more inclined to take option A, you know, considering on my my thing, you know, I'd love to do option B where obviously you're a bit more respected. And stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I could be honest. I'm, I'm all about honesty myself, so option A might be what I'm, I lean a bit more to. If I was mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing I've, I've always found interesting, so I've been doing the clowning school in France. And it's an acting, basically, school, theatre school. And he's taught some of the best comedians, performers in our world. And he basically wants to teach you to be more relaxed with yourself and be completely free. One thing I found about it, because the school is quite expensive, it attracts mostly people that are middle class and they're white. And there's a few people that look like me and, and that's and maybe one or two Asian-looking blokes or girls. And that is it. That is the multiculturalness of the place. And the thing I've always found quite funny, because I look at Idris Elba, and I, I, I don't know much about him, but I would like to know more about him, because he came from, didn't he come from Hackney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. came from Hackney. Uh, I know quite, <laughs> I, I researched his career quite a lot. Yeah he, yeah, he came from Hackney, and he moved to America at 26. I believe, 26 or 27. And... Uh, yeah, he stayed there for like four or five years with a wife and a child as well. Nah. Kind of like, whoa. He was kind of not getting any kind of acting role. And um, only when he got the wire, and that's when he started kind of like getting um, up there a bit. Yeah. But it's, it's funny that, how can he sound so posh? You know, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think it's like um like so my my brother went to like uh, drama school and I think they even teach you that that's like a whole class on um called received pronunciation where they teach you how to have that accent because that's the preferred accent in the industry. So to be honest, yeah, I think it's like one of those ones like if you want to survive, you have to adapt to the tournament uh culture and that's the accent that they want in the industry. So they give you a whole class just how to kind of like start speaking like that. I think it was even a time back in the day uh, you know like in early Hollywood where Americans were taught to how to speak like British people that was a bit more of a respected accent I think they called it the mid-Atlantic accent where it had a bit of Americanness but it had like the British reflections in them, you know what I mean uh, the kind of like hello my name is Jimmy Tenney you know what I mean they wanted that kind of feel Itself, so yeah, yeah. I think maybe, maybe it's just Elba has to go for that. Hmm. Because I, I, I understand, I understand that as well. Like, when you get some people, to be like, wait, you grew up in South London, and it sounds like you're, you're a or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 
I bet it's a bit of a deceptive thing with your brother Idris Elba, but they sound posh. Someone's going like, yo, 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 give me your money, bruv. And then you find out, oh, right, you're from my ends. You can fat, yeah, all right. <laughs> no, no, trust me, trust me. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's just, about, it's just being in, about being a chameleon, I think. Yeah, especially, especially as an actor. Yeah, you have to get to kind of learn those different things. Yeah. But the thing, the thing is... Yeah, no, one thing I would like to see is more people from sort of the prior backgrounds get into to really make an effort into the performing arts thing. Because I think that they'll be more interesting. They could do because the hunger that people have when they're from is, is amazing. Oh, I the, the poor man with, com with confidence is unstoppable. And I'd like to see more of that. Well, it's, it's because like you, you might be able to agree with me in this as well, but it's hard, man. Like even with my kind of like working within this industry, I feel that you'll only be able to survive long enough if you have like extra income coming from somewhere else, be that your parents or you inherited some money from somewhere else. Like as me as well, like I had to pay for my course at the National Film and Television School which was like just under £10,000 by myself. You know what I mean? I had to do some extra jobs to work for it. Um, you know, I didn't get kind of like money from my parents. Obviously, my parents are just like doing working in hospitality and in the and stuff like that. So it's not a rich background. I don't know. Um, so I think that's why it might be hard to get those kind of like more working class and vein of people into the industry because you do have to work for a long time or like peanuts, you know what I mean? Which is, which is which is which is hard, you know what I mean? And I think only really a certain group of people are able to do that. Like, I'd even with your course in France, like how much how much was that? Was that you said it was quite expensive? Bloody too much, man. That like was two thousand three hundred for each month for like three two three months, and then it's another two thousand three months for another three months, and then once you do three terms, you don't have to pay another six or thousand pounds and then you have to pay rent every every month yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cheaper than london it's about 400 the place that i was staying at was 450 euros oh that's it oh, okay that's and it, wait, was it in just in france it wasn't in paris for just london it's yeah. a bit so it's a bit strange in a way they, they do the course in like a buddhist retreat and it's in the outskirts of uh, paris not really in paris and a lot of English-speaking people from artists across the world hang out there, they learn clowning, and they fuck each other. Uh, it actually sounds worth the money, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to join then? <laughs> I think you're a good kind of, like, ambassador for that. <laughs> oh, that's How long were you into it, then, before virus came was it where had you just started or was it like a... I was in it for about I'd say so I did the first term and I did the first bit of the first term about three or four weeks um, didn't work out of a woman that I liked there but then, then I did some work get some money to pay for it to go back to Gogier oh, okay. and then and then I did the well, so uh, I was, did the course from January to March, and then this coronavirus thing happens. 
man. So they stopped it there as well, was that? Yeah, well, they, they completely stopped it like a week ago, like a few days ago. Like they wanted to see if they could outlast it, but yeah, who knows what's going to happen, really. Yeah, yeah, that's really, that's, that's really wild. Because even with me as well, um, I've got like a feature film. Uh, I'm trying to get off the ground. Uh, I've written a script for it, um, and I have been developing it with these kind of like people for a while. I even got to go to South Africa to meet some other kind of like producers, and then um, I went to Bernale, which is like a big uh, film festival in Berlin, and uh, I was meeting some people out there as well. And then literally two weeks later, this kind of like virus has come down. So it was kind of like stopped my momentum of like this feature film that I've been trying to get off the ground for nearly like two years now into like tracks and uh, yeah like I don't know what's going to happen you know what I mean so it's like it's really wild it, this is probably the wrong thing to say but I'll say one thing about this virus it is racist against white people I reckon <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how so. well most of the people that have been killed have been killed in Europe and America <laughs> One second, sorry, sorry. What, uh, I'm on the podcast. Sorry, yeah. Uh, kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what's what's happening? <laughs> oh, I think they were calling me for something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now that's that's I shouldn't say that, but I'll leave it anyway. But um, it's it's not. I mean, it is it is uh, it's it's a very the thing is, what what's going to come out from this is that we're going to be a lot more cautious, 100%. and you know I'm not going to shake anyone's hand. It's all fist bumps from now on. I don't care if it's Lord Sugar business meeting. No fucking handshakes from now on. Well, I'm wearing wipes. <laughs> like even today, I was walking down the road and there was like an old lady who's coming towards me, and then I saw her like off into her hands, and then I crossed the road. And I think that has to be the first time that uh, a black man saw a white old lady and then he crossed the road instead of vice versa. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was history that day. And I think, yeah, this virus is just changing the whole situation. You know what I mean? So, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely going to make people a lot more cautious and stuff like that. Yeah. One thing that's always surprised me about stand-up comedy is nearly most, like... 85%, no, I'd say 99% of comedians are Labour supporters. Mm. And they, they make it quite political. Like I was with a good friend of mine I was talking to, and I said, I mean, yes, Boris Johnson was silly when he said that the UK did a good job, because it hasn't really done a good job. We're the, second, we're the second highest in terms of death rates because of this thing. And we had time to prepare. 100%, 100%. But, uh, yeah. but there's a big but though, isn't there? Mm. I mean, could there's no point really complaining about it now, though. We've got to just if we spend time trying to analyze what went wrong now that we're in it, but we spend less time in terms of sorting it and keeping people alive. Yeah, and also, so I don't, I don't necessarily. I might get some stick for this. I don't think this is the time to really go into the the two political parties and arguing like who would have done better you know what I mean okay we can admit that it was a terrible job even to the point that our own prime minister got infected by it I think there has to be kind of a big sign that it wasn't a great job 
done. But like, yeah, like we said, it's we're in it now. And I think the more important thing now is finding out how to get out of it rather than people trying to make arguments about who would have done better. Um, but yeah, but even with comedians as well, you say like I think ninety percent are, are labor supporters. I just think it's just because it's the dominant kind of culture, people are just kind of like sheep, so they're gonna go with the dominant culture. If it was the other way around, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But do you, so what well, I I know a lot of a lot of people that I know that are in the arts and all that, that a lot of people around us sort of age group, they're all, they're all trying to foot. I don't know what's going on at the moment on the side of the left, but they're doing the same things they've always done. Like with the, it doesn't matter, but it's, I couldn't get over um, how Jeremy Corbyn, uh, he's saying, oh, we're going to get free Wi-Fi," And then everyone's like, why does everyone always try and did everyone believe that Corbyn was a saint? And it was always in my face during the general election. Someone that was my age was trying to force you to vote Labour and was saying, if you don't vote, and you're stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was just like, yeah, it was weird. And I think maybe that's what, maybe it didn't help the Labour side was the kind of force for it. And I think people had to kind of like understand what people who weren't in a particular bubble cared about. I think they had to kind of like maybe widen and, and actually go down on the grassroots level and talk to those people who were kind of like outside of the London thing. Because you do feel like you're in a bubble, you know, you think London is the whole world, me as a Londoner as well. And then you go out to the other cities and I do jobs and then you realise that you know, London is not why have they turned it to like a, such a brutal thing in terms of if you say that you're um i don't know it's a bit like if you're in russia and you're so it, and you 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 i don't know you're a woman and you say mummy daddy i like sarah the dinner lady and you'll get what's it called you'll get lambasted and treated like shit and everyone's going to come at you but in if you say that you're a big conservative supporter Especially in London, you get a lot of shit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. no, it's, it's true. And to be fair, the conservatives haven't helped themselves with that because they have implemented a lot of a lot of kind of like uh, situations. They've been the cause of a lot of situations that people have suffered. That is quite of visible, and I think it's only because they've been in power for ten years, so people kind of like forgotten what New Labour did beforehand. Um, especially when you've got like people who are young, a bit younger than me, because that's their whole entire life is being in a conservative kind of government. That's all they know. So if you've been in that kind of situation for your whole situation, you know the badness comes down to the other. It's like the kind of like grass is greener on the other side. You think that Labour's going to be the But I even feel that, as you saw with the Labour League, you've got like a section of Labour who ain't really that different from conservatives. You know what I mean? And like Jeremy Corbyn might have like represented a more of an extreme version of Labour that even some Labour people didn't want themselves. So you know what I mean I don't really feel it's just much of a difference if you go either way to the kind of like politics. You've got people who go back and forth between different parties. Or mm. that, that's for 
John Paul. I can't remember his name, but he used to be the MP for Streatham. And I think he's gone to three different parties. Like he went Labour. Oh. Uh, he went to Change of, and now he's at Lib Dems. I can't remember his name. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's no. I don't think there's that much difference between them. Yeah. Hmm. It's. What, 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 why did, why did so many people from the working, from like up north and like Wales who are traditionally Labour supporters switch to Conservatives? That intrigued me. I don't, it's, it's obvious. It's, 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 it's a Brexit thing, what you think. I think it was more Brexit. Brexit was, uh, was the, I think, the defining thing that made people kind of like leave. Was also, Brexit was maybe marketed to different people in different ways. And those people for Brexit this way. Labels supporting that, so they just support this way. Everything. And I also think Lib Dem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been a crazy five years. You know, what I mean. Uh. So yeah, yeah. But I feel like now, after this pandemic situation, we might get like completely. Conservative has a lot to answer. When what what are you gonna do when this lockdown's over? Ah, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not really one of those people who said that because I know a lot of people who are saying when this lockdown's over, I'm gonna have the biggest party, the biggest orgy that's ever been. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I'm going to kind of like make sure it's a gradual change of the way I've been in this lockdown uh, because we can see through history uh, with the Spanish flu it was actually the second wave was the more deadly wave for the first one so they had the first wave and there was a quarantine and lockdown and then the lockdown was lifted and then the second wave ended up being a bit more deadly so I feel with this kind of pandemic my kind of like thought is a gradual uh, release of the lockdown rather than a quick one back to normal time. Um, so yeah, so I won't be, I won't be, if, if Paul said, oh, tomorrow, lockdown, going all back to normal, everybody can go back to the cinema, back to clubs and stuff. I'll probably give it like another year or a year and a half where I'm being a bit more cautious of going to the places. Oh, you think yeah. you think it's going to take a whole year before everything recovers? Yes, because like um, in history, the fastest ever vaccine, it took them four years to get the. That was the fastest ever development of a vaccine, and I feel like they're going to get it faster this time. But yeah, even then, yeah, it, I feel it's it's not going to be a quick back to normal. I don't think we're ever going to go back to normal, but it, I think it has it probably at least a year. I feel it needs to be safely. It needs to be like obviously I don't think we're gonna stay this quarantine thing where people can't go to work forever or that long. But I feel it's still gonna be a gradual thing. So they're probably gonna start off with like, okay, yeah, you can go back to work, but maybe you can only work for like two, three days a week in the office or something like that. And then gradually go back. Uh, I feel I feel that's the best way to do it, rather than just to have everyone back because I think if everyone just comes out all at the same time, you're just gonna Second wave out of nowhere. 
the stuff because he's obviously <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> you just put it in my in my head have you seen star wars uh which one which one you know the the what's it called the return of the jedi where they have the big celebration <laughs> Is it one of the older ones? I mean, yeah. I haven't seen the older ones. Well, you know, you know when they they have the big top bus when Man City was celebrating a trophy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just got a picture of that of like people having this big sort of parade after this all goes down and they start celebrating. But I mean, it's it's only gonna it's only gonna take a couple of like people going to Tiger Tiger, get a bit drunk, you know, have a bit of fun. One of them have the Corona. Then some more other people had the corona, then some more, some more, and then, you know, yeah, if a stripper has a corona and like some she goes, Oh, give me a change, you touch her, you get the corona. Then she sees another guy, oh you give me a change, he gets the corona. It's only gonna take little things to get it back. So you are right. It's yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's like even uh you know, the Notting Hill Carnival, they haven't really cancelled it yet. And I think they want people to come back. But I feel if if anywhere a second wave could happen is Notting Hill Carnival, unfortunately, I don't want to say that. I don't want to kind of support that, but we have to be honest here. That will be the place where a second wave could possibly happen because I've be I've gone to that carnival so many times and that's a place where you're touching strangers in the most intimate ways possible all the time. That's going to be a way. So I feel like guys, we have to be honest here. We're just going to have to cancel it just so we can save people's lives. It's, it's one of those things, you know what I mean? So, no festivals, no carnivals. I just try to keep it But there's another person, there's another argument on the other side as well saying that it's going to be almost inevitable, but some, some people are going to get this virus, so we may as well, instead of hiding people away, we should allow them to go out there and get in the herd, uh, like, get immunity, like, get immune by, as a herd. As a, as a population, rather than being stuck inside of it, some people argue that might be better that way. So I don't know. But it's a bit funny to, to say that one of the techniques to battle it is to use a technique used by the Borg in Star Trek. People <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are just finding anything out of the out of the sky to, to, to battle it because people are scared, so they're trying to find any way to. Mm. I'm, you know, I've, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to put Tinder and Bumble out of business for a while. Well, the fact that people were saying that just because people are at home not doing anything, those, those dating apps are apparently getting more traction than usual. You know. Oh. But they're they're chatting to each other and might be sending nudes. Yeah, apparently they've been getting more traction. That's that's what I've been hearing. Kind of like study. Oh, a lot of knocking off then. <laughs> we had STD in humanity for generations, and it hasn't stopped people from having sex. You know what I mean? So I don't think any coronavirus is going to stop people from having sex. Your That's true. This, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? There was the last big pandemic, which was obviously a bit more of a gradual pandemic. HIV and AIDS virus, and um, that still spread like wildfire. You know what I mean? Like people didn't stop. Even if people said, "Oh, practice safe sex," going along. So I don't think coronavirus will stop. 
people from doing their dirty food. <laughs> To be honest, it's been quite funny in a way, actually. Like one of my, that some people. I mean, I'm, I'm busy working, but a lot of other people, they like some of my friends, they've been talking to different people and are saying, "Oh, this person ignored me for a while. Now they're talking to me." <laughs> no, it's true. I've gotten, I've gotten some random people who've aired me for ages as well, starting to talk to me. People like people want phone phone calls. I haven't had that for ages. Like on, like actually talking on the phone to someone. For like ages, it was just been through WhatsApp or <clears throat> like I've had a lot of like a lot of phone conversations. Um, and like last time I like back in the day, like here, you know, remember five five day pass and stuff. Yeah, you got like five pounds, and then you were able to talk to anybody for like five days, for five pounds and T-Mobile. I think they used to do this in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in school and I'd be talking to girls for like two, three hours on the phone because I was just like a horny freak trying to get some get some get, get some um, so that's the last time I remember having a lot of phone conversations whole... <laughs> that's a long time ago yeah, that pandemic brought back phone conversations so I've been talking to just people on the phone and I'm like I, I need to do this so I think that's one one thing are you, so you you gonna say to them, "Hello, sweetness"? You remember when I was like that? Well, sweetheart, I've been working my ass off. Forget Arnold Schwarzenegger is me, Moses Sabandege. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got to find find different ways. Yeah, you said you're working. So are you working from home still? No, I'm not doing any sort of official work. But it's just that as it's given me a lot of time, like it has for you to work on your projects, it's given me a lot of time to work on things as well. And it's, it's I, I think we as people get into ruts. And I feel when I was back at that school, I did get into rut because I was in a routine. I, yeah, I think from now on for myself, I think whatever situation I get into, I need to have a break now and then. Maybe one or two days off um, and go somewhere. Maybe just go to a different part of this place, or what I mean by that, just just have a day where I just sit in a coffee shop or something, or just yeah, just do something like that. Because then you get to think about things and you process things. Whilst if you're in in things, then you don't have the time to reflect and then figure things out. Oh, that's so real. That's so real. Especially because like each day they gave us like a day to go out and do some walking around. Um, I think this is the most I've ever walked around my whole area. I've lived in my area since 2000, since I was eight. And I'm finding new parts of my area that I've never been to. I've never walked past because I'm just trying to find new places to walk through because I'll get bored walking the same path. So, yeah, I mean, like going to finding new places within my area as well is like, yeah, it allows me to kind of like open up my mind and just really, really, yeah, really think about pondering my own mortality as well because every day you're, you're hearing stuff about death, death calls and stuff like that. You really kind of maybe say like that. You have to kind of like treasure this life we're in a lot more and not take it for granted. Because it's just like, yeah, I'm the way just no, like it's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's good. It's, it's something that I've feel I should will do from now on and I, and Bill Gates does it a lot he, he will he, he just spends time walking around for a bit oh wow what does he look like? Carcass. 
you know, he just walks in. A, I watched a bit of his documentary, and apparently you can read 180 pages in an hour, and then, what's it called, you'll be reading books and this and that, and he really assimilates knowledge like that, and, like, he remembers it in 90% efficiency, and by the end of it, he knows more about that topic than the people he's talking to about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he's, he's a millionaire, isn't it? And he's, but yeah, he does that. Like he will walk around somewhere to think about things. And I think it's true. You have to get some time to think about things and process. In martial arts, they say that think is the enemy. I'm, I'm not too sure about that. I think you do need to think about things. Like you, you, we gigged a bit on the same time, and you'd see comedians that maybe going for 10, 15 years that are nowhere near as good as comedians that've been going for a couple of months. You finished. Hello. 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 Yeah. Uh, what happened? I don't. I think. I think. Well, I was in my house. Else. Yeah. Ah. So what bit did we get to? <laughs> I think you were talking about, yeah, Bill Gates and just like, yeah, allowing yourself to kind of be able to just think, think, in, think about life and whatnot. Yeah. Now, I've been watching, Netflix is decent. I've been using it to learn French and I've been, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. So I, I type in browse audio and I watch it in French. And I go on Duolingo, and then this this app called Hello Talk, where I start trying to speak with someone in that language. Oh, and then, oh, I might actually do that. I've been trying to learn Spanish for ages, but yeah, give it a go. It's 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 a lot easier than um, yeah. Watching films is good, and I've been listening to podcasts. Well, I've, I may do that a bit more. Listen to some French podcasts. Uh, okay, how, how far are you saying you are? Like on a conversational level yet, or no, no, no? I, I think by the end of um, by the end of this whole thing, I think I'll be at that level. So I, I'm learning some more words, and I'm learning this and that. But I think now I've got to um, I've got to go through the textbooks now, like GCSE, and start looking at the syntax and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be able to write it. Easier. Yeah, 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 but I've been doing lots of things. I've been quite—I don't know—I've I've, I've been keeping myself busy since the holiday, and there's there's always something I can find to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. There's always something to do. You you know yourself. You're doing those projects over there. I think when you say that you've got nothing to do, you you're just. Um, not committed to what you want to do enough that's it because there's always something you you got to do because if you look at uh, someone like michael jordan or kobe bryant they work they never stop working oh damn yeah even when they like somebody made a good point as well saying that they had talent already they had the talent for basketball but they still work as if they weren't good enough so even if yeah. you that kind of like base talent of being able to be like oh, you're funny, actually it still um, makes sense to keep on working at your craft, no matter what. 
and just and just have that drive and keep on going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep the keep, keep the drive happening eventually. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, if if I mean when the lockdown goes, I'll just. I mean, I have a lot of things that I want to do now, but I'll it mean that I'll focus on this thing or that thing, but I'll still be working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's yeah. There's always something to do. I feel. What do you think? What do you think you'd be up and running with the night again? Or do you think that's something that oh, it's going all right so far? I mean, he's 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 um he, does, he what he does. The guy that owns it, he 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 rents a bunch of flat up flats upstairs. So, but we'll see what happens. I think it's, from speaking to him, it doesn't sound as bad as others, but fingers crossed. And yeah, it will it'll be interesting because there's going to be a lot of clubs closing down, I think. Oh, Angel, Angel, they, they need £6,500 a month in Angel. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I, I mean, they, they took about four months to get 40000 and that's when everyone had money. So. Oh no, man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. People gonna need to laugh. That's the that's the good thing as well. Yeah, the, well, it's it's. I think there'll be a lot more. I think the ones that do survive, they'll be packed with audience. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. You you're gonna come back to comedy at some point? Do you feel, or do you just you just want to do? You know, you want to do scripts. I definitely want to do scripted, and I feel like one of those ones where I feel I'd never stop doing uh, stand-up. Um, but I, I don't know if I'll ever get to the level of like be able to do a remix. That's not really what I'm trying to do. But I'm still happy to keep on doing because I, I feel also at the same time as well. Me as a comedy writer, I feel stand-up doing live stand-up comedy is the equivalent of probably doing like gym work. You know what I mean, like. It keeps yourself sharp. You know what? Because there's a difference between like me sitting in this room here writing my scripts and laughing, me laughing at myself and thinking I'm the funniest person in the world, rather than actually going out to people and, like I said, is you're doing that grassroots work. You're actually going out to audiences, telling them some ideas, and seeing if there's an actual reaction and an actual kind of appetite for those ideas comedically. Um, and I do feel like any comedy writer, I feel it makes sense to do kind of like some live, live stand-up comedy, even if it's doing it at open mic nights or doing it tryouts at like a comedy club, or even if you want to go further and bring yourself for an hour um, and then trying to get that off the ground, just to kind of like, yeah, I think it just keeps your brain, your comedic brain smart, you know, and sharp. Because yeah. you know I mean? have you done an hour yet or... Are you going for one? Or? I did an hour, but one of the reasons why I went to Goliath is I did a clowning bit, and then I did uh, a lot of things went wrong, wrong in one of my shows, and it went really well. So that's why I've decided to, to learn a bit about clowning. Is that the, what clowning is like the, what the, to improve the performance of it, essentially? Yeah? It's mostly like the performance and being in touch with the audience. It's, it's look it up. It, it's very... Um, well, I actually didn't get... To, to the point to study the clown module I was doing a lot of other modules before that so I'm going to go back there next year and do the clown module okay yeah no, I've, I've, not, I've, I've met a lot of people I know, uh, you know Mawam Mawam the YouTuber is he the Indian bloke that's 
Is he the gay Indian bloke? Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think he's from Pakistan, though. <laughs> you know what I sound wrong? And this, I should, the, the gay Asian bloke, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, I, I know, I know, I know. He did, he did uh, the guy that was caught. And obviously, the fa- most famous one is obviously Sasha. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's, he, he's, done, he's done that kind of goal. So, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people doing their thing and using it quite advantage. And I do definitely feel that helps the performance as well. Because yeah, I do feel there's different kind of like stand-ups, like where the stand-ups who are better performers and stand-ups who are better writers. You know what I mean? And I don't think my performance is strong as my writing. I just need to, to have kind of like fix that. Yeah. I think mostly a lot of, a lot of stand-ups per se are, are writers more so than performers. Because if you put them in a situation that's hard, they can't do anything. What do you mean situation that's hard? Like what, like a, a heckle or... or Not a... just that. I had them in a, what's it called? A, I was running a night in the New Year show and a night where it's in a downstairs pub in the Grove where there's loads of, it's it's not really suited for comedy. It's not in a private space. Yeah. And they, nearly all of them did terrible. Mm. So, because they were just depending on their jokes. Oh, that's yeah. another question I want to ask. Um, on the... Why do they call the urban circuit the urban circuit? Why couldn't they just give it like, or they call it the black circuit? It doesn't sound right. They should say give it another name. And what? Why? Yeah, I I never understood that. I think urban circuit just came off a bit more politically correct. Because also in the urban circuit, you've got people in there who aren't black who do pretty well, um, like the white yardies, um. Yeah, so so you've got different people with all different colors in there. So I don't think it really makes sense to call it the black circuit because also you've got black people who work. Like, I, I we trying to say that the mainstream circuit is the white circuit? You know what I mean? I think that's what kind of yeah, really weird for people to say, oh, that's the black circuit and this is the white circuit or <laughs> urban circuit. I think it's just one of those ones where it, 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 it's, it's quite niche in there, but it's the same with... You've got, you've also got like a musical comedy circuit, you know what I mean, and also yeah. a quote-unquote arts circuit who don't really do the comedy club. They do more of the arts center, and their comedy kind of works more in like Soho Theatre on a particular day or something like that. You know what I mean? And that's a whole different circuit in itself that has its own cottage industry. It's the same with the black circuit as well. Um, so I don't know what. I think maybe the urban circuit probably is the best one for it. Maybe they're just saying the urban circuit because they've got a particular style of comedy there where it's more suited about inner city life or something. So I don't I don't know what name you could change it to. to, to give it. I just couldn't I, I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, but but why why so if I, if I look at people from the from the urban circuit they they're quite loud and boisterous yeah, yeah. look at the mainstream circuit it's one or the other they or they're in between hmm. or they some of them are not confident but most of them aren't that confident yeah yeah no yeah yeah i think yeah so like the urban circuit you it, it, it commands a particular style because the audience is in a particular way. I feel like their tastes, they need it in a particular way. And I think it, it needs to feel like a performance because someone made a good point about the urban circuit. Um, I don't, I can't remember who made that 
this point. I, I apologize. I it's a really good point, but they they say that the urban circuit it started from obviously from shows that happen on Sunday, so people will come from like church where it's also similar style in there as well, like in black churches where the pastors would be quite kind of like charismatic, very loud and boisterous. They'll go watch a show at church and then they'll go to a comedy show afterwards. Um, so I feel that's why the style kind of like bled over from like a more of a kind of Pentecostal kind of style of where a priest was very loud and boisterous and the same with the comedian as well. Um, especially the urban circuit in this country as well is very inspired by the urban circuit within America. And I think that was definitely what was the inspiration in America was a lot of shows where people kind of dressed up really well. They came back from church and now they're going to an urban, sorry, a Sunday show. Um, there was even a comedy night called Sunday show, but uh, Mo started that as well, but had a lot of that style uh, on the urban circuit. You know what I mean? So I feel that that's probably the reason why you do have that kind of particular style where it's more, it has, it can't be really subtle as much, you know, in other kind of comedy shows. It does have to have a bit more of a extrovert style of like, yeah, this is comedy, being loud, boisterous is in your face. You know what I mean? Mm. I feel it's also really inspired by like the Def Jam comedy and stuff like that. I don't know if you've seen that. Okay. Bits and pieces. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so I think it's definitely, it's definitely inspired more about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. How would someone like, do you remember John Sharp? John Sharp? No. He was an old guy. He used to get up on a chair and he used to do this. He used to go, that joke has never taken off. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, do you remember? I, I, don't, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. No, no. But what you say, like, how would he would react? How what's his reaction like in, in terms of urban crowd? Do you think? He's, he's, a, he's a weird sort of punk comic. Uh, mm. Let me show you. Uh, let me show you the screen, and let me show you in a second. Let's see, here we go. I don't know if you do this. <laughs> it, it's 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 made some of the the podcasts more interesting. I'd, I'd say that. So. Like it's like a Joe Rogan. Do you a big fan of his podcast? I'm, 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 I think I'm more fan of particular podcast. So yeah, it depends on the guest he's got there. Uh, I liked there. He's got the thing I don't like about Joe Rogan's. They're good. Is probably I got four or five that I follow, but he's. It's he's got too many. They, they take too fucking long. Yeah, the edit. I, I sometimes three hours. Yeah, that's too long. I think. <laughs> I've been doing the podcast right, and each one of them, none of them have really. So this is like, so this has been about an hour and a half. But I feel quite tired a lot of the time doing it. I don't see how he can talk for three hours. I know, I know. I think maybe it takes take time. And, and the person has to be quite interesting as well. as well. And he's got, that's why he's probably got two or three producers that help him, like probably give him. <laughs> but it's just the way it is. It's just, it's just strange. Well, but he's, yeah, he's, 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 I mean, he's very famous because of it. Here it is. Let me know if you see it. 
You know, dangerous tea, though. What's that? You know, dangerous tea. This is what he does. circuit do you think because i've seen him I've, I've i've got i do advertise tonight on a um stubes which has a lot of it's aimed at sort of more more alternative yeah yeah and some people have come in through that and they found him hilarious yeah it's, it, it, see i kind of like it's one of those things where i feel with, with acts like that you need to be more of someone who goes to comedy nights quite regularly. You know what I mean? So you're a bit more understanding, oh, that's what a, com a comedian might do. As I feel sometimes when you go to other circuits, you're getting kind of like an audience that don't necessarily go to comedy all the time. And that kind of comedy they see is on TV. So it is a kind of typical somebody with the mic doing joke, 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 jokes. It needs to be there. So somebody came, I think with him, it could go either two, one ways. Because like sometimes I've seen people who've done stuff like that and killed it because it's just like, because it's so different and they're like, oh, that was just so crazy. You know what I mean? That's like, he's doing something crazy. And sometimes I've seen people do that and they, they've gotten booed off stage. You know what I mean? So, so I feel he could go either, either way. You know what I mean? I think it really depends on, on, on the audience. Like if it's someone who's, and there's also like age of audience as well. I think maybe a younger audience might be able to to to, to consume that better than an older audience. 
you know what I mean? You expect it to kind of like look like a death jam night. So yeah, it can go either way. Yeah, it's, 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 but that's what I find interesting because I've, I've seen, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. You never know what's going to work sometimes, do you? No, not at all, not at all. Like I've, I've, I've done some urban nights and I've done them really good and sometimes I've done them really badly. You know what I mean? Where people have just been completely silent. You know what I mean? Sometimes I, I prefer booze to silence because at least booze, I feel like you get a natural reaction from people. Silence can be like <laughs> deafening. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, it's, it's, it's probably the, yeah, there's it's nothing worse than that, is there? <laughs> oh, no, why? It, you sometimes you, st- you wake up in a cold sweat thinking about those nights of the. <laughs> it's oh, one of those. Because like I, 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 you, you kind of like don't remember some other shows, but the shows that we went really badly, you can still remember them so vividly. It's so great. <laughs> Tell us a story. Come on. <laughs> oh, um. I don't, I don't think I have like that. Uh, what, what? Oh, I, I've got I've got one bad night. Um, one time, one time when I did uh, a show, this was at Comedy Verges, and uh, you know Tez, Tez was hosting it actually, uh-huh. and then and then um, yeah, I decided because because like Comedy Verges doesn't tell you the running order, it just does it randomly. So I decided to go to the bathroom before my thing. And then that's when they decided to kind of like call me on stage. And then, uh, yeah, so I was actually in the toilet doing my thing while I was being called on stage. And that's when, like, I got locked inside the toilet because I think the toilet lock was fucked up. So I was just hearing my name trying to get into, like, go into stage while I was locked inside. And then I missed, I missed that thing. So I think that's the worst, worst worst comedy situation I've had basically being locked inside a toilet being stopped from actually allowing to go on stage yeah so, so wait a second did you get to go on stage or? no I was locked inside because I think the lock got broken or something so literally... and so what happened at the end of the gig did someone open the door for you or you, you just was, were locked in throughout the whole gig obviously everything I got out eventually but it was just too embarrassing to be like Continue to like go, so I just I just left. I just went home. <laughs> oh, oh shit! It's too embarrassing. I don't think it was even funny. <laughs> well, come on, that, that would have been. I mean, if you, in some respects, though, you would have definitely got brought a drink if you mentioned it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was one of, it was one of those crazy nights. Yeah. For people that don't know, for the for the probably one or two people that are watching this, the buy them a drink thing is a thing at the open mic night in the Cavendish Arms where the comedian does well. There's about 30 acts. It's a struggle to stay alive for it. It makes you question your sanity. But <laughs> um, the comedians that do well in that, they have a thing called buy them a drink and they get bought a drink at a bar. But if the comedian's an alcoholic, they may lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's wild, it's wild, it's wild. Yeah, it's, it's come on, that is hilarious. That is, oh, it would have been even funny if you just went up on stage and did that and mentioned it and just talked about it. 
someone, someone did suggest because I was locked inside and it was a wireless mic. Somebody suggested for me to do the show straight from the bog and stuff like that. But I think that would have been a really, really shit gig. So for obvious reasons. So yeah, oh, that's, that's a pun there. <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep in a pun. I always have to keep in a pun in every podcast. <laughs> uh, do, do you remember um, Dangerous Tea? Dangerous Tea? No, no, no. He he does this joke. He so for anyone that doesn't know Dangerous T, he is uh, so John Sharp has been going for about fifteen years. Dangerous T has been going five years longer, I think. Wow. And you got Jimbo's been going for twenty five years, and they're they're open mic legends. Mm. And I'll show you Dangerous T because I know you remember him, but you just haven't seen him. He is one of the best. He's like on his day, Dangerous T and John Sharp. Are the funniest comedians in the entire world. So you may be watching this. <laughs> I actually like Dangerous T. He's a cool guy. He's he's, he's a nice guy, and so is John Sharp. But it's no, I like him. Some people don't like him, or they say this and that. But I think it's because they see them as easy targets to pick on. But I, I, they're both very funny people. I feel. <laughs> oh, that's mad. That's mad. That's mad. Yeah. He's he's. Have you heard his routine where he says, what's it called? Have you not heard his broadband routine? I know, I don't think so. Okay. Should I show you it? <laughs> yeah, show it? Yeah, show it to me. Now the broadband money sounds interesting. Let me see that. Dangerous T. Broadband. He, he doesn't... He... Yeah. 
is is cool. Let me check what time is it now. Yeah, I think after I show show this, I'm going to head off. I think because I need to get some dinner. But I've got my head quiz show coming up tomorrow. It's going to be hard. And you see, I'm clicking on light. You're the same as you're the But it's really sad. But it really hurts me inside. Because I love that. And it really, really, really hurts. Because my fist. Really, I remember we used to talk about St. Peter's, and then uh, I see that. yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the one he talks about, yeah. This is the joke. Huh? Are you in my last act?
Tea tribute videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like with all this, I'm thinking like, where is he going to be able to put this? Because I know YouTube's going to kind of flag that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he haven't flagged it yet. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he's been able to survive it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's interesting, man. He's good, isn't he? He's amazing. <laughs> uh. you, get, you get that, yeah. Like, like I said, over time. Time plus tragedy just equals comedy. That's the old old equation, oldest equation in the world, and stuff. So yeah. yeah he, no, but he was funny. There's no like dangerous thing. John Sharp. They're both funny, but okay. I don't know that maybe the way they go about doing things is. They, they, I think they, they they are funny. There's no getting away from that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like obviously, yeah, comedy is subjective, so it's like another one. So like, yeah. but yeah, man. But yeah, man, I need to, I need to go. Been good chatting to you. Been good chatting oh, to you. Definitely, definitely. Same here, same here, man. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Uh, I, I really appreciate coming on as well, being able to let all my uh, stream of consciousness about the comedy industry that we're coming in at the moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, 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 we see you. I see you again on the circuit. Yeah, so, you too. No, definitely. Um, yeah, take care, and then. See you later. See you in a bit, though. A bit.